0: Welcome to the Yoga Connection with Zorananda. The Yoga Connection is a deep dive into everything yoga. Follow along with Zorananda and his guests as they discuss yoga history, spirituality, different practices, and the many misconceptions that have followed along throughout the years of yogic tradition. Hello and welcome everybody to... The Yoga Connection. My name is Zorananda, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with and having an awesome conversation with Zarnush on Christmas Eve. Um, we recorded an episode last week, and I totally bombed on the audio. So this is round two, and in divine timing, bringing us to uh, the eve of Christ's birth. Um, so feels. Uh, Synchronistic, and it feels good now to have everything set and ready um, and to dive into an amazing conversation with Zarnoosh. So, uh, what's up, Zarnoosh? Say hello and how's it going?
1: Zarananda, what a pleasure to be here with you on this 2023 Christmas Eve.
0: That's right. Likewise. So, man. You've been working away passionately and creatively on a new project that is um in my view in my biased opinion fucking awesome and um mm. yeah, we've been um doing podcasts together for i think like two years now, and um we've developed this really neat um new friendship just like we like we shared um you know in the past just um, just kind of randomly synchronicity meeting each other on Instagram and then um, leading up to this point where um, you've established a, a really amazing story and um, are now in the middle of releasing uh, this new music um, you started with Star Serpents and then now you're at uh, the Revenant of Time um, where today You know, that's what are going to be, what's going to be our focus in um, not only the concept of uh, the music, but also the art direction and also just like the free flow of conversations. Um, We have some topics to discuss, but um, yeah, how about we, um, yeah, let's start with the music stuff um, and uh, get into... Uh, what that project looks like. So um, yeah, tell us, um, yeah, about Cloak and Dagger trilogy.
1: Right. So this version of myself, my music has always been a reflection of my personal growth and my personal development. I've always kept the two tightly intertwined because I believe that music is an emotional language and that your personal development journey as a consciousness on earth in this material incantation incarnation rather, um, is well tantamount to communicating. And for me, cloak and dagger, which is the debut trilogy of my life's work coming together, all the different skill sets I've learned musically and creatively and artistically and storytelling and visually all the senses, through my life and I wanted to start with a journey and a body of work that deals with my inner work so I would say that cloak and dagger represents um, my journey into fusing and balancing my divine masculine and sacred feminine aspects of myself and that inner journey.
0: Amazing. Um, yeah. And I, I think even, um, just to get into the first track a little bit, um, just like the name star serpents, um, kind of gets into that too, where if, um, like I imagine in my mind, um, when you have, um, like say like two snakes that are mating and like, the way that they coil into each other, right? And it's this like dance, but then also it's like a struggle, right? Because they're almost like fighting with each other, but then it culminates into this like beautiful entanglement. And, and, and so this idea of like, and I'm just kind of like riffing on this, but um, like the idea of star serpents, where you have these two celestial bodies that, um are so far away from each other if you think like um like stars in the universe but then there's this like entanglement that we don't see through like gravitational pull and like binary stars and how they um interact with each other but so far away but in some ethereal way like come together energetically and um so that's just like the imagery that comes to my mind and then then seeing the the music video and um just the the level of like creative visualization and creative direction um is to me awe inspiring you know i look at i look at um Something like that is so unique and it gets me thinking about um, kind of what, what am I to do with the music that I'm creating and that I'm doing. So you provide this framework of what is possible. I feel. And so like, you know, like the little thing I was ripping on, on like the stars and the serpents, I think that is coming out of the inspiration of like seeing the work that you're doing.
1: Uh, thank you so much. I love so much that you use the term awe inspiring because another huge proponent of my work is that I'm continuously uh, inspired. So when you said that, I felt like you know, it takes one to know on. Like, I was, in, I was able to inspire awe in you because my work is really a communication of how much awe I continuously feel that even the most mundane of aspects yeah. of existence. Amazing. It also made me think of this great quote by um, the Persian philosopher-poet Rumi, which was, I am in you and I am you. No mm. one can understand this until he has lost his mind.
0: Mm. So, yeah, that is that's great, and it's so simple, right? And yet, like, there's like a cryptic kind of um, like mystery, like mysterious sense to it, right? Um, because cliches,
1: bro. Cliches are fucking powerful. They get severely underestimated. Yeah. It's almost like as we're coming of age, society as a whole, there's this kind of subliminal message like fortune cookies, cliches. These are useless, trite nothings. They're just filler. But um, the more through my life journey I go, I realize that cliches are everything. They hold huge swaths of information encoded in this overtly simplistic childlike phrase that yes even a child could understand but the power of a cliche as you go through your journey it's fractal it just keeps on growing in complexity the more you look at these super simplified statements
0: Mm. yeah and even like that first line of um you know like what i see in me is what i see in you or vice versa um Even though it's so simple um as just like individual people it it can be hard to understand that right and it can be hard to um empathize on how we like a part of myself is within someone else and so what i think of as an experience um, say, interacting with a friend or a stranger or a partner that um, we are interacting with a part of ourself, whether we want to see it or not, right? And um, And so, like, the second line of, like, in order to really see that, you have to, like, lose your mind, right? You have to lose this faculty that is judging and that is compartmentalizing and that is picking things apart so that you can cut away the biases and cut away um, the assumptions, so that you can look in someone and you can look at someone and you can directly see how you show up in that person. And I want to try to... Kind of relate that to star serpents in, in the video and and more so i think even in your their new one revenant of time because then um i think it's in the revenant of time there's like a new character that shows up right there's like um there's like the f- if trying to remember this correctly if there's like a female version of like a masked character is that right
1: yeah, so we introduce her in Star Serpents, but yeah, in, in Revenant of Time, she has now consumed me in her realm.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, and so, um,
1: the hollow-faced girl.
0: Yeah, that's right, and and I think, for whatever reason, in our world, um. There's like a challenge or a difficulty um to allow ourselves to surrender fully into another person and to see that um you know how much of ourself is being reflected from that person. And um that's what I feel like you're capturing in in this music and in these videos is like, um, showcasing that. Oh, how do I want to say it? Showcasing that there's like power to it. Um, and so, yeah, I'd love for you to now like jump into, um, the revenue of time and um, and to share like more in depth um, like what's going on um, yeah just like the process of creating it and yeah just like what's going on with um, the symbolism and um, what's being shown
1: well the aspects I am comfortable to speak about because I really do like the idea of people digging their own meaning and relating it back to their own existences. But the aspects that I am comfortable speaking of would be that at the time of writing that song, I would say I was severely in denial of the integration of the more feminine aspects within me. And I was uh, rejecting them and trying to battle these attributes that, I didn't see necessary to keep within my expression of life. And there was a lot of resistance and that it was, I was trying to communicate the feeling of overcoming that resistance. And like what you said, an important theme of this song is the power in vulnerability, the power in frailty. And it wasn't until I was able to, on this particular aspect of the journey of integrating my masculine and divine self, as above, so below. So it was a reflection of my environment at the time in more overt and direct ways. And my environment was directly reflecting what I was going through on the inside of my personal growth journey. And at that time, I I was just upset with all the things I once loved about myself. And I was really mad with all of these things that I really loved about myself and just trying to express that feeling, which is such a fucking hard feeling to express, right? The feeling yeah. of of knowing you should make space for these things you just can't get along with about yourself
0: Hmm. and i think that's like um that's like an archetype to humanity right um if there's something that we can that we can share um as fellow humans is um sometimes just like the inability to grasp and and um find a better word for like deal with um, like these internal struggles, right? and um, And I think that's a beautiful thing about art and and music is when we don't have the words for um, these like struggles and um, these emotions, art and music comes into play as like a beautiful medium to display those things and so when um you have the urge to to create and to put something out there with without fully knowing the impact you know you can be communicating something through that medium and and touch the hearts and and the minds of people, um, with what you're sharing, right? And um, and I think that's the cool thing about what um, what you're doing in um, not only using like really professional standards for video creation. But then also the a- AI generation of of the art, and that um, taking someone on a visual journey to represent what you are feeling, um, is just so impactful. And um, like we were talking about um, just before recording, how. Um, you release star serpents and, um, there's this like pretty big campaign of, um, promoting it. And, you know, on your Instagram, you have videos that have like 200,000 to 400,000 views and, um, you know, and then like almost 10,000 streams on, on Spotify. And then when you released Revenant of Time, um, you didn't really need to do that level of promotion. And then within days, it was like, boom, you hit like just about 6,000 streams. And I think that's like a testament to the impact of um, how that like those feelings and those unspeakable kind of things that like it's hard to grasp, but then you channel it through your music people just immediately magnetize towards it. And um and it's so awesome to see cuz that's like that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out too, you know, and like in in my music and what I'm releasing. And um and so it's just like at first hand to see how it works um is really inspiring to me and um yeah, that was a bit of a rant, but I hope that makes sense.
1: <laughs> oh, those are really kind words. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful that even a fraction of the feelings I put into my work are being received because that is my soul on a platter, man. Like yeah. I when I'm when I'm writing my music, a lot of the times I'm not using a pen. I'm I'm just, I guess you could say freestyling it. So I'm I'm looking for those perfect moments where the melody, the words, the lyricism, like, and, and I'm usually only able to find those moments in the creative process when I'm in a trance state and I'm not in my ego. I'm not trying to think about what rhymes or think about what makes sense logically. I just, I'm trying desperately to let go of my logic and to immerse myself in my heart center and my heart chakra and to really just feel what I have um, repressed. Like I, you know, they always mages and wizards and occultists and religious figures from every denomination and walk of life since the dawn of existence itself. I've always spoke about the importance of journaling. And for me, this music is my journaling and i'm I'm capturing the essence of my best my journal and I'm sharing them with you guys so um thank you man to to express it like that it means mm. so much to me um you I can't even put into words it's i gotta freestyle a song about this now,
0: yeah <laughs> that's great though because um just what you said like provides a little window into your creative process right and um and I, and i think it's important for people to know that it is possible to take a step back from what can be what like can be a conventional way of doing things in that um what it means to be in harmony with the creative process is going to look different for each person, you know, and it kind of reminds me of like Jay-Z, you know, like Rick Rubin always talks about how Jay-Z would just like show up. He has nothing written and yet he has all, like, he has just like everything memorized. And a lot of the times he's coming up with things on the spot that, um, um, there's this, uh, like other concept of being in contact with the muse that, um, we don't have control over that, and yet there's this really potent magical moment that when you're creating the music, you're listening to it, you're in the vibe of it. That suddenly there's going to be this inspiration that comes about you, and um, the the words will fit the music. Without you being in control of that. And I've had like, I've had moments like that, even um, creating this like last rock album with my producer and he hated it. Like I would show up and he, he'd be like, oh, do you have lyrics written or do you like, and I'm like, no. And he'd be look at he'd just look at me and shake his head. He's like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, we're just going to listen to the music. We're going to vibe with it and it's going to come out and it worked every time. And yeah, it was a bit more of a lengthy process cuz like um, you know, typically when you're like booking studio time and you're working with a producer, like they're expecting that you basically have everything already set out and you just show up, you record and you dip out. And so with my producer John, I I was also helping him in being more spontaneous in the moment. So I would show up, you know, and we'd be working on putting the music together. And all of a sudden it's just like the flow and the muse would come to me and it it just all, and then these lyrics would come out and we'd record it. And we'd look at each other and be like, Holy shit. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't know how that worked, but it just like worked so beautifully. And that's what I love about music. And that's what I love about being a creator is, um, it's, you're just pulling these gems almost out of like nothing. Right. And then you have this amazing product at the end of it.
1: Oh man, it's such a beautiful way to do things. I, I love to hear that um process you went through on those last batch of amazing songs by the way zarnanda's mm-hmm. music is super inspiring as well and i was remember i remember the first time i heard it i was utterly taken aback because i think i first found your work in the form of a book you were yeah. um at, you were advertising at the time and um or you were, i think it was a post or something i'm not sure how it found me but um then i found out you had this amazing music too so i i just love that once you come in contact with that feeling and that message that you can only find through wandering. And Jeff Bezos was just talking about this on his podcast with Lex Mm. that you had mentioned to me in last week's recording. And I went back and kind of watched it all inspired because you were really inspired by it. And I rewatched it. And he was talking about how a big part of his creative process involves wandering, right? Like there, there has, you have to be willing to kind of, aimlessly look to find the gold because you can trick yourself right if you know what you're looking for and that's another way of working too so I do appreciate what you said there is a magic in bottling up the spontaneity but there definitely is another magic that comes from sitting down and meticulously planning each move and strategizing And I think there's a magic from both worlds and, I, and I've worked mm. and I've collaborated with other artists in many forms of media throughout my life who have leaned more towards one of those forms of creation than the other, like logic and planning versus emotion and spontaneity. And I have really just kind of cherry picked from all these amazing people I've worked with and built my own formula that works with me. And just like with my spirituality, everything else I try to do, my main, one of my major philosophies in life is to uh, really be your own scientist be your own leader be your own philosopher and and all these preordained kind of systems are there for you to find what works for you and to be okay with finding something that works for you you know so yeah
0: yeah totally um and yeah the lesson that um that came out of that whole experience for me is like that balance between the two right Where like Mm -hmm. okay if we want to be efficient and we want to save time and cost then yeah it will be beneficial for me to show up with a fully built song and then when we're recording there's still room for spontaneity right so we're going to lay out the scratch track um we're going to you know, put the, put together the demo, then we're going to listen to it. Then when it comes to recording, say the vocals, then in the moment of it, because I'm already so familiar with it, I have the room and the flexibility to improvise. And I have the um, feeling of like, you know what, I'm going to do this instead of this. And then like the sparks of magic are still there. And, you know, and like when I look back in the last two years where, we, instead of doing it that I would like show up and we'd kind of build the song from the ground up and, um, the, yeah. So the, the lesson for me was, um, and and for John that it's okay to also in the moment, like create things like say for the guitar solos, like he, I would show up and you'd be like, Hey, do you know what you're doing? I'm like, no, we're going to make it up right now. And, Uh, Then suddenly we just flesh out this amazing solo and and then we just look at each other and be like, holy shit, (laughs) like this is awesome. Right. Um, And um, yeah, so I could really relate to you on that level of like just being so absorbed into the music that. um, It like it's like the music itself pulls the lyrics out of you and it pulls the ideas and um because a lot of the time when i'm when i'm sitting down with my guitar and i'm and i'm making something up i'm not thinking about what key i'm playing in i'm not thinking about what chords i'm going to play i i just close my eyes and sit with my guitar and i just tell myself and i just say like universe work through my hands And there'll be times where I don't even play guitar for like two weeks or even three weeks. I don't even touch it. And I'll just wake up one morning and it's like magnetic attraction. I just go right to my guitar and then boom, my hands start playing something and I immediately record it. And then I listen back to it and I'm like, oh, and then I, and then I, and then the gem of what the melody is that's coming out just, grows from there and um yeah so like part of my intention with um like where I'm going with music is is to find collaborators and to find people that kind of work in a similar manner um because that was one of the intentions that I set over the last like couple months going into the new year I was like you know what I want to collaborate more and I want it to be in such like an organic way where I'm not particularly like messaging people and being like, Hey, do you want to collaborate? It's just, it just happens so organically and the conversation comes up and it's a yes on both parts, you know, like, um, yeah, like we kind of had that moment um, not too long ago when you were releasing this music and I was just like, Hey man, it'd be so great to, to do something together and like when and where it's like, that doesn't matter, but it, I know like, it would be so awesome to, um, make some music together. Um, cause, um, yeah, I think my growth as a musician, um, how do I want to say it? It's like, the way that I want to grow is by developing like friendships and developing connections. And so that like, you know, the music that's created is reflective in in that process.
1: Soul on a platter, man. I, I love to hear it. I think that's such a noble way to go about things, right? And you touched on something that Lao Tzu talks a lot about um in his reflections on the Tao, mm-hmm. which is this principle of like effortless living, right? Like Yeah. If if like the path, it's so interesting because it's so contrasting to like Western philosophy, right? Where the Western philosophy, it's like the path of least resistance is like a bad thing, right? Don't take the path of least resistance. Um, It's all about grinding and working extremely hard for your results. And the hardest worker can outwork any creative genius and can have yield higher results. And that's kind of like the grounding virtues that have been principled into us being raised in the Western world, but the Eastern world, you know, especially this um, Lao Tzu's kind of version of the Tao really, really emphasizes the path of least resistance as the highest path. So how do you compromise those opposites? Well, again, it's a little of column A and a little of column B. If you're taking the easy way out all the time, like, I don't think that's what he meant, right? Either. I think when he's talking about the effortless way. He's not saying you're taking the easiest way because sometimes not putting in effort can be a hard thing to do. So really looking for the cracks in this whole thing that are already there that you can just kind of like break open the glass effortlessly.
0: Yeah. So it's not, It's not about like lethargy, right? Where correct. Yeah. Yeah, you're like you're looking for the easy way out because of laziness or because of like an avoidance, right? It's yes. The the, the effortless path has been created that you put in the work so that as you move forward, you're not trudging through this like thick mud of life that you did the yes. work to set up the road for the travel that's going to be effortless right so you can enjoy the travel so you can enjoy the journey rather than you know inadvertently setting up all these roadblocks and yeah so that's interesting because like um that's where i think the the hard work and um or even just like your ability to put in work um isn't it like in of itself a proof of value right and i think that's what makes it easier for collaborations to take place it's easier for um the yeses to happen right and um navigating this like whole world, you know, I've had many people say no to me for things, right? If it's being a guest on a podcast, if it's getting someone to be on my podcast, if it's collaborating on music, if, you know, whatever, you name it. But then seeing how, okay, if I'm going if I want to shift that into yeses and enthusiasm, then what I build up for myself in like creating, um, a catalog of music, um, creating a presence and social media. And then, you know, what community am I a part of, or what am I tapping into that will allow me to shift so that there are more yeses? right and um where i started was like what's close to home so me and my friend matt um he's a dj he does uh particularly tech house and we just did a track together um called backflip and uh so like like right now it's on soundcloud but man it was like one of those moments where we were at a festival together and we were just hanging out and talking and we we're just talking about the music that we were creating and we we're just like, yeah, let's make a track together. And it was just like so easy and it was just so fun. And it was awesome. Cause, um, on Friday, um, him and a few others, uh, put together this solstice event yeah. and he DJed it and played the track. And it was just so awesome to see everyone just like, fucking dancing and just loving it right so like it's those moments where you know that the shift to working with people that are just like a a immediate yes that there's just this energy that goes into it that would be different if someone's like oh okay well I don't know about it but you know I'll give it a try you know that you know chances are it's not going to work out And I'd rather hear a no, you know, if someone's going to be iffy about it, I'd rather just be like, you know what? It's all good. We'll, uh, you know, I'll find someone else, but, um, yeah. And so that was the feeling that I got with you where I was just like, yeah, man, it'd be great to, um, do some kind of collaboration where I, I have my guitar and, um, you know, and, and, and to get that, yes, that's, this signifier to me that it's like oh fuck yeah this is gonna be great and um
1: well that sounds like friday night for example that's yeah um if that's not like a break in the clouds and the sun shining down on you moment mm-hmm. i don't know what is right so that sounds like not only was the process itself easy but the outcome was incredibly validated.
0: yeah yeah for sure and, um. Yeah, and just like speaking on that, like, um, that example from Lao Tzu of like the pass path of, path of least resistance, right? Of um, and and sometimes challenges are going to come up, right? Like, <laughs> like uh, recording this episode, right? And just like, um, you know, uh, doing a whole episode last week. And then the challenge of all the audio stuff and then like recording it again today that sometimes mistakes are made and sometimes things happen. And luckily and, you know, fortunately for me, you're an understanding person, right? And because we've established like a good connection and friendship over the years that um, the path of least resistance shows up, right? That even amidst like, you know, little technical difficulties and like time delays that um, it doesn't divert towards like complicating things and anger and resentment it's like, Oh yeah, it's all good. Let's stay on the path of least resistance and, um, and ease and just like go forward, pick another date and it's all good.
1: Um, but, um, Yeah. Least resistance, not no resistance. Right. Though, though I do, as I was thinking that I was also thinking that Lao Tzu would probably say, no, you want no resistance. So he knows.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Sweet. Yeah. I also, um, yeah, I want to, um, get into these other topics as well. Um, cause I'm just thinking about the, the last week and what we were talking about and, um, yeah, so I, I think this would be a good way to go into, um, The second point that you had that you sent me um of the laws of the universe and um and the um I don't wanna say the comparison between um laws of the universe and obeying like tenets of monotheistic religions and I, I want to tie this in sort of like what we were just talking about with like the comparison between like resistance and no resistance, right? Where like um, if you were to really being touch with um, these like fundamental principles uh, that we just see in nature and that we see in the universe and as humans – that where does resistance and where does um no resistance show up, and likewise with um you know obeying rather than like being in tune with the laws of nature obeying these tenement tenants that are man made right, and where does like resistance and no resistance show up in that,
1: yeah, um. You know, I think I can bring those two worlds together by talking about parents and their children mm-hmm. and how, you know, it's a generally unanimous across cultures, socioeconomic across any form of label or division we could put between ourselves as a species, even just as like sentient creatures, objects, that if a parent is resisting a child succeeding in the path that the parent set up for them, that we see that as a bad thing, right? Like we condemn parents who are competitive with their own children. We condemn parents who don't want their children to be healthier than they were, to have more opportunities than they have. Like, it's a law of nature that you want your children or the next generation to evolve. And something I just found when the philosophizing and looking at the major monotheistic religions, in particular, they don't really leave room for the adherents to come back to God and say, hey man, I figured out some stuff down there. According to the monotheistic religions, it's kind of based on obeying the omnipotent leader because the leader is all good and is everywhere. And why would they need anything from us measly humans? And just something about that concept I feel is inverted to the truth, which is, I believe, you know, Again, right now I'm in an agnostic phase and I'm always changing. I do not stagnate and I allow myself to be flexible with my spiritual and scientific and philosophical observations. And right now I'm in an undecided phase. Uh, I mean, we could even get more into that. Really, yeah. what I believe really what I believe in right now, as a little side note before I connect it back to the other thing, is that I think that for the most part, things are determined, but that within that determined path, we have a little bit of room for free will. So I think it's like, mostly, we can't really change things, but we have control over a little bit of it, of the journey along the way. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. But so just to say what my perspective is, because I'm not condemning the adherence of monotheistic religion. I grew up in a family that was devoutly Zoroastrian and was extremely religious. So I do understand what that world is and what that experience is. And I have a lot of respect for that world and that experience. But I do feel that like God would want us to be like, listen, man, um, you were right about this, but I don't think this thing is playing out exactly as you predicted. And I think that if that God was omnipotent, he'd be like, thanks. Just like when I have children, I'm looking forward to my children figuring out things I couldn't figure out. I'm looking forward to them keeping me tethered to what it is. And I see the same thing in all walks of life. Even trees, if, if a tree dies in the woods, its roots continue to provide nutrients for the local ecosystem. Mm. Like this applies on every single quantifiable level of perception and experience. So yeah, just a little thought I've been having about monotheistic religions and just like kind of sad that, you know, their depiction of infinity leaves no room for evolution.
0: Yeah, it's. I really, I really like thinking it in that way of like. That there's a two way street to it. And that's, um, there's Mm. like, there's some feedback where, rather than a complex where. Um, there's a hierarchy of control Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: that in our relationship to a higher power or a relationship to God or our higher self that, um, and this is something that um, we were talking about last time um, uh, in the last recording that like um, that. there's room there's like there's no room for god to learn right in like these monotheistic religions that like the level of perfection the level of omnipotence and and omnipresence is that um there's there's only room for a top-down influence than there is for a bottom-up influence Precisely. That um Where if we were to kind of follow the line of of evolution, we're to follow the line of, you know, how humanity is going to grow into a greater being that we're setting this omnipotent state of consciousness up as the foundation for it. And so there must be this rever- um, reverence for um, that timeline. And I just realized, I just basically used the title of your song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Revenant right? of timeline. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Revenant of time. So yeah, that there is this feedback, you know, and that, um, that we can view um, like a totality of, of existence as, um, as also something that grows and something that learns. And that's something that looks at us as a counterpart to it and observes what we're doing and is learning from the collective. Right. Um, and
1: collaborative it's absolutely this collaborative relationship not like a two-way street relationship with infinity itself absolutely man
0: yeah um and, and i think that is what can really truly touch on um like let say gods or you know like the universe benevolence that um it it innately has a sense of compassion and empathy and um and and that's where you see it manifesting more in eastern religion right that there's a sense of unconditional love and there's a sense of like divinity and rather than a like stronger masculine sense of it of just um driving its influence into humanity, that there's a divine mother aspect of welcoming us into mm-hmm. itself. Right. And, um, and I think that's important really to consider, you know, that there's a way to look at how we, I don't want to say it like how we are an influential puzzle piece to the greater picture of of existence, right? And that um you know when we consider you know the laws of the universe, that um we have a say in how these laws are formulated um and it's it's so funny like trying to talk about these things sometimes because it becomes so abstract and um but it's like to me it's like a mental exercise you know like we're um we're kind of flexing the muscles of of our mind to try to grasp these concepts that are kind of held and gatekept by, um, like the upper echelons of 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 religions, right? When you look at like you know the top three of Christianity, Judaism, Islam, that you have the the Pope and the rabbis and uh, the imams who are like disseminating down the ladder of you know like this is God's word. And it's so penetrative, right? It's like, it's so masculine and like, this is what it is. And this is absolutely, this is the word of God where, you know, you look at like a place like India where there's so much more of, of an emphasis on divine mother of like, it's not about, you know, disseminating it's how do we absolve into like, how do we do the work? to open up the channels so that we can be welcomed into the divine love and the space of, of our creator. Right. And, um, and I think that can be a good place to segue into this um to final point. And yeah, I just got to say like these topics are fucking awesome. You know, when I saw these, when you sent me the list, I was just like, amazing they tie into each other so well of um now going into this like soulmate concept right of now um how do we look at then um the dichotomy between like men and women and what drives us to Um, and this goes back to that, that first quote from Rumi that you were, that you brought up, right? Like seeing myself in you. And, um, I really love this idea because, um, you know, I grew up diving deep into like the new age spiritual world and, you know, the topic of twin flames and soulmates. And it was just like, I just impressed it so deeply in my mind of finding my soulmate. But this idea of like, if you really want to come from a place of healing and you really want to embody being healed, there is no soulmate. And that's kind of trippy to think about.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, there's this crazy thing. I grew up over here keeping my eyes on, which was, I remember feeling supremely, supremely uncomfortable my first day of kindergarten or pre-kindergarten, or I don't even remember where it started, but my first day going into the school system. And every one of my classmates had a favorite color and they had a favorite number. Mm. And up until that point, I loved all colors. I loved all numbers. I'd never even conceptualized what it meant to have a favorite. And I remember feeling this pressure that because I didn't have um, a zero latency response to their inquiries about what is your favorite color, what is your favorite number, I was outcast and deemed as the crazy one. I was deemed as the crazy one because I couldn't say, my name is Arnish, I like seven and blue. Right? <laughs> yeah. And... And it's, it seems so inverted, even at that, I must've been four or five years old. I still have the distinct feeling of like, what the fuck is going on with this? I could not put my finger on it. And that I've been looking at that my whole life. So many people, the most unhealed of people I've come across identify with themselves as a list of things they do not like not not and then the people a little bit more healed than that i've noticed this is my opinion they identify themselves with things they do not like and a couple of things they do like and then people more healed than that they identify themselves with things they do like so maybe they're less negative and they're not focusing on Mm. Fault finding and blame shifting and things they don't like, but they're still only focusing on the aspects of reality that they do like as a way to identify and stand strong in their persona, right? But the most healed of people I've come across, they don't give a shit, you know? And Ramdas talks about this beautifully. You know, I was so grateful that I came across this story and anecdote of his because it completely solidified this right because as i was saying this opinion and experimenting with this idea i would come across a lot of resistance because people would always then respond to me so what you don't have preferences like they say zarnas you tend to wear black a lot you tend like calling me out and ramdas kind of cleared it up and helped me finesse this concept because the way he put it um was that and he has a great story and anecdote but i'm going to leave that out leave some room for everyone to discover and explore on their own. But the way that he put it was that it's not about not having preferences. It's about not being attached to those preferences. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he referred to it as like an, ah, so moment, like, ah, so right. And he would say that, you know, it's not like I and this is my example, but he would say something along the lines. It's not that if you show up and you want a banana smoothie, but they only have pomegranate smoothies. You're not gonna say, I don't want a smoothie. You're gonna be like, I want a banana, but you know what? Ah, so it looks like I'm having pomegranate today. And mm-hmm. it's about being flexible with your preferences and not so judgmental and not, you know, and then so applying that to soulmates, I feel like if everybody was healed, then it doesn't matter what genders, like, gay straight wherever you are on binary non-binary um where whatever you're called whatever your predetermined invisible lines of separation from one human to the other was it wouldn't really matter because you'd be like i'm so healed i don't really care everything's amazing if everyone was healed everyone would be in a constant state of awe and inspiration and would be like just vibing things going wrong they're like oh well Guys, how are we going to dodge the asteroid? Like, there would be no conflict. There would be no disagreeing. Like, disagreeing would be a thing for the past, like, off the past. We would all just, yeah, well, we have the resources. This country has X amount of water. This country has X amount of water. Well, these guys have extra water. Just give that water to the country that doesn't have it. It would just be, everyone would be in unanimous... Yeah, of course we need the spaceships now. we got to get off the earth. We got, like, there would be no arguing. It would just be like, this is how we move forward with the highest amount of joy and fun and awe and compassion. And there would be no argument. And if, you know, so, Hmm. so I, I believe that if everyone was healed, there would be no soulmates and that soulmates are actually people whose exact traumas are in sync as opposed to, their healed aspects. I think effortless unification of two souls in the modern world, AKA soulmates or twin flames doesn't come from a place of being healed comes from a place of their bullshit lining up.
0: Yeah, that's, it's interesting. Cause it, it almost seems counterintuitive only because of the, I would say the kind of the indoctrination through the new age community and where this concept has come up from and all of the kind of literature and, um, all the impression of like what truly a soulmate is. And, um, and and so to hear like a new twist on it and, um, a new conceptualization of it is, is refreshing because it's um, it does start to make sense in um, understanding that when we have a list of preferences, that we're super imposing that onto the person. Right. And, um, and just like you were saying with um, just like the examples of when it comes to uh, more like worldly matters that coming from a place of being healed, you're not superimposing anything to ensure that, um, you know, the other on the other side is going to match up, right? And and so how we're informed on you know where there's going to be harmony is in the moment of interaction in the moment of vibe in the moment of spending time together where how you come to any conclusion is just from your state of being that there's a match that's being um made and so I remember in the last relationship that I was in um she had this like list of who she thought that like her soulmate would be and so when i entered into her life and we met she showed me this list and like yeah i like i checked off like every point on this list
1: bro i am sorry that you had to go through that
0: yeah and like at that time that made sense to me because that's the narrative that i had like that was the story that i uh, like I had in my mind as well, too, that it was like, oh, if I'm going to be the right person for someone, I'm going to, you know, check off this list of theirs. And so when I saw that in the in the moment, I was like, happy. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that makes sense. But then you got an A plus. Yeah. And so but because of being human, because we make mistakes, it's like slowly those checks were removed right slowly i was no longer living up to the standards of that list and so slowly i'm like being removed as the soulmate because you know um i um you know say something and it's taken a different way or you know like whatever it is that um I'm no longer, you know, abiding to that list. And so that's so, and I've never heard this before, you know, so you brought this up and this this is like a revelation to me of like, holy shit, that totally makes sense. That like, if you were to think about just the word soul mate, right? And we think of our soul, there's no list, Or categorization, or really conceptualization of how we get in touch with our soul—like it's just so naturally innate that it's an intuitive, feeling thing—and so um,
1: also a list is rigid, right? Like I think you're tapping onto it there, and I think it's it's like a rigid expectation. It's also like before your ex—I mean, she unfortunately unknowingly put a limitation on her own experience of love and compassion in the world because what if she changes and her list changes
0: yeah right exactly and so um and that speaks on like what you were saying where your your own adaptability to change right and that like um your your view of um like agnosticism is. Currently, Uh, currently. Right. It's like, there's, there's the flexibility of how that changes because in every moment there's a willingness to learn, there's a willingness to adapt. There's a willingness to, um, to desire, um, evolving. Right. And, um, so yes, for sure. The beautiful thing is over the last like month I've, um, met someone new and I've entered into, um, this like, Beautiful connection, and so when, it, like last week when we were when you brought this up, it was such an amazing re- revelation that I was already doing that with this person. That whatever list that I was creating over the last two years of being like, okay, I don't want this, I don't want that. This is what I want. Like, I'm looking for like this type of person, and this, 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 and this. And then I, I meet this beautiful person and it just like blew my list out of the water. It was like not needed. And, and then it brought me into, um, like a, like a place of presence where, um, the, the experience of, of like what it can mean to have a soulmate is, so much more about surrender than it is like matching up these points
1: right it is man i mean like indian indians have this figured out um uh, one thing i do want to say though cuz we're doing a lot of east meets west comparison i do want to yeah. say that just for everyone listening that i believe that the things the east has got right you know um for everything they've got right they've got a lot of things wrong You know, and again, I just think it's a a matter of boundaries. I think the East does really well with compassion, but does terrible with boundaries. I think the West doesn't do great with compassion, but does really well with boundaries. Oh, that's
0: a great way. That's beautiful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So just to throw that out there that I'm never pointing a finger. I think every single one of us has like a little mess we have to tidy up, you know? But um, to take us back on topic, though, it's like arranged marriages, right? And I'm not saying again, ups and downs on either side, but it's important to like see the gradient of life and to see the full spectrum, I think, and to make as best educated decisions as we can. And surrender is, you know, you've been bringing your personal life into this. I'll share a little bit of my personal life to connect it here, which is, I believe that. Relationships with friends and with lovers, even parents. like there's like a fixed kind of pattern, and the vague oversimplification of that fixed pattern is goes something like two people meet and they connect. But then, after that initial like rush of amazing connection, those things that drew you to the person become the things that trigger you about the person. Right. And I think it's at that phase in the relationship where most people are like, fuck this, I'm out. We're not going to be friends. I'm not going to work with you anymore. I'm going no contact with my family or let's just break up, whatever the form of the relationship is. And I think the real magic comes from gritting through that period, using it, to self-reflect, like, first of all, why, were I, why was I drawn to these attributes in the first place? Like, and having done this in my own relationship, I've been blessed enough to be with my wife for over 10 years now, right? So yeah. um, I've gone through this. This is a lived experience uh, for me. And, you know, and so I have to say, okay, these things that I absolutely love about this woman are now causing me so much pain why did i love them about this woman then going back into my childhood oh because these things weren't there for me when i was growing up but now that i'm comfortable all of a sudden the habitual pattern in my mind wants to go back to the comfort zone of like the expected bad and the expected bad is like when i was growing up these things weren't there and i want that so now i'm arguing with you because i want you to be what I had because I was comfortable. Right. And then so I'm going through this crazy process, and I'm like, dude, zarnoosh like you were drawn to this woman because of these things, because you never had them. And now that you've experienced them, you're saying that you want to go back to those things that you never had because that's more comfortable for you. And then just going in, and then that entered my season, you know, of like going to the mountain and like not eating for seven days (laughs) and like, you know, and just really like testing myself and putting myself through and then coming back out of this. Like, I can't believe I forgot how much I love these things about you. What is wrong with me? And then you're having this amazing elated moment and now it's like the fucking best, bro. I'm so blessed and I'm, I'm so grateful and we would not have gotten here had we done what people traditionally do where it's just like these things that I love about you are now triggering me and I'm going to go find somebody else who doesn't trigger me in the Mm -hmm. same way. Right. And so in healing myself, I realized that, oh, I was putting, I'm the one who's flipped the script here. Right. Because I want something, I want the familiar poison as opposed to the like unfamiliar ointment you know or yeah. healing potion and so going through that journey and then and then really talking like and then looking at older couples or other people who've had amazing relationships have good relationships with their family like really it's all predicated upon this thing of like going within understanding what triggered you and overcoming it and then being able to hold space for yourself and the person in this relationship to uh for everyone to just kind of go through their shit and stop being so judgy.
0: Yeah, um, that's beautiful, man. And that, that reminds me of, um, so like my parents, they've been together for just about 50 years. So, oh. in, uh they're at year 48. And um, I watched them go through everything, right? Mm-hmm. Of just like all the turmoil, even like, cause um, they had four kids. So I have like two twin sisters and a and a brother i didn't know that cool and so like to see them go through like in um just like the amazing part of like us being kids to then us being teenagers and then like the inevitable kind of like darkness of um of like family drama you know and like what kind of like pulls us all away and then what has pulled us all back together and then now um how we're just like we're just all such a strong unit like oh that's um, nice man congrats like um you know and and so the thing that I've, i've i've witnessed is um how they were able to really stay together we're like on on multiple fronts of like them moving from serbia and coming to canada together and really having nothing right and like starting from the bottom and pressure um, that's such pressure man yeah and then kind of my mom putting herself in this situation where um you know she mainly speaks Serbian like she fully understands English but it's still like you know she has a tough time speaking like clearly it's a language barrier yeah and so for her what I've noticed in her like justification was like it didn't make sense for her to just, you know, whenever there's turmoil or wherever, whenever like my mom and dad would fight for her to just like up and leave because like, because of those barriers, right? Like there's just some things about Canada and like its system that she just didn't know. And so through the struggles, they've gone to a place now where they just make fun of each other happily you know like so whenever there's like little tension they just like they can just bicker and then make fun of each other and then both laugh at it and then they just and and i just watch them just be so like childlike and because they've like so deeply accepted that um they're together forever right and um and so watching how they've been able to really learn deeply how to accept and love each other. That's, um, it's so, there's so much more laughter at the end of it. And it's like, there's so much more, um, uh, just like joy. And that's inspiring to me, you know? So like when I look at, um, like even in my past relationship that didn't work out, it's like, I, I, I did my best to um embody um that like level of acceptance, but um yeah it's the the whole game in this life of of like partnership and friendships is um it's so interesting and um it just makes being a human um just so incredibly fascinating and, um, yeah, it's, it's inspiring for, um, to say the least. And, um,
1: yeah, man. Um, I'm just all about new concepts. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it, and I think it's okay to think about things that are new and like that have nothing to kind of uh, have, you know, it's, it's tough to get people to open their minds to new ideas. And I think the idea that soulmates might be a fallacy that we've leaned a little hard into. Yeah. Um, because we're like lazy to do the inner work.
0: Yeah. And that's what I was just thinking. Like, um, what I find fascinating is, um, when you're saying like, when you find, when you found yourself kind of slipping into that, like kind of old story where Mm -hmm. it's like kind of past childhood, um, programming is coming up Mm -hmm. that like, you know, for the solution for yourself is to, um, um, like do water fasting and to like kind of isolate, but it's not that like. You're running away from something. You're like, oh, I know that I I have this particular tool to figure out how to clear this out, and then to come back refreshed and to really fully face, um, uh, you know, what the perceived problem was, and to and and how it like um, leads to a solution. Right. And I think that's like missing in a lot of people's lives is, um, that, you know, something as, you know, as a concept, like can be as simple as fasting, but how powerful it is, you know, and like, um, in the last podcast that we did last year, um, yeah, you went into that quite a bit. Cause you were going through, like, you, I think you just came out of a water fast and, um, and I think there's something to say about how, like, what we consume on a daily basis and how it builds up in our system can correlate to how we're treating ourselves and how we're treating others. And then how this, like, there's this kind of subtle subconscious influence from. Just things that have built up in our system, and how do like fasting can really help clean things out and so that we can come back and reemerge into our life and apply like this new freshness to our relationships, our projects our um you know our work and um yeah and i and I see psychedelics like in the same kind of way like um last night um um my like new partner and i we did a mushroom journey together and we like we planned it like a couple weeks ago or like just over a week ago and like leading up to it yesterday um there's this like nervousness we were both like so nervous about it but as soon as we were in the middle of it it was just so beautiful and um just from the the downloads that we were getting, and like the space that we were holding for each other, and now today, like I just feel so enlivened and refreshed. And so, like how um, these like really powerful moments and these tools of like water fasting or even like psychedelic journey um, can really be helpful in in clearing things out.
1: Yeah, it's it's a declutter, it's a reduction of variables. I mean, any mathematician will tell you in order to solve the problem, you got to reduce it, reduce the fraction, reduce the variables, and what better variables to reduce than right, psychedelics, your ego, or um fasting food, right? Like if you start with the principles, the the Stoics used to do this. There was a famous one of the famous Stoics don't remember, he was rich, he had money. He was living it up in Rome, but ever so often he would go and sleep on a stone floor and eat like grapes for a week or something. Uh, I don't remember who exactly. And he just did this to remind himself, like reducing the variables. Like if these, the noise can come from too much of a good thing, just as much as it can come from too much of a bad thing. So yeah. anything, anything you can kind of do to... Reduce the noise of life itself, right? And then only drinking water for a week or going on a psychedelic adventure. These are things that are reducing the noise of society, man made life and expectations, and taking it right back to what it is to just be a consciousness in an environment, a consciousness in an environment. And the closer I'm able to put myself in these states of being pure consciousness in an environment, maybe consciousness as an extension of the environment, maybe just pure states of pure consciousness itself. The closer I can get to these states, um, the clearer I can kind of have my mind to be to look at all these things. And then it's fucking 10 out of 10 times I come out of one of these pure conscious states, which like we were saying, there are many tools, extreme exercise, uh, fasting, psychedelics, fucking abstinence you name it there's these amazing classic ways of reducing clutter to become pure consciousness you come back and you realize that 90 percent of the shit that was giving you a hard time was some frivolous bullshit of you clinging to some pre-programmed nonsense like Mm. every single time like why did i even bother i really think that like life is an exercise in that you know, in total, like, who knows, probably we get back to the void of infinite on the other side. And it's like, dude, I was worrying about all that stuff. Well, back to love and creating galaxies.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And I, I, and the, and the kind of statement that I reduce it back to is like the beauty of being human and like, you know, like we're like innately our Our hearts and our being is striving back towards oneness. It's striving even if you, even if we can't conceptualize it, even if we're aware of it or not, there's you know, back to this idea of the laws of nature that there's this like route of of evolution that's taking place that's drawing us back into that. and in the meantime, recognizing our humanness and recognizing exactly where we are and to enable ourselves and encourage ourselves to really fully enjoy what we're doing and that um you know i think kind of kind of get to a final point here to wrap it up that um in what we strive to create In what we strive to build and um, experience coming from a place of of healed togetherness is going to enable that path of least resistance that ease to really showcase how the people in our lives can really be who they are without Superimposing anything on them without having unreal expectations, or um, really how to show up for ourselves in the you know the embodiment of um, that connection of togetherness, and it's it's really inspiring to me, like day in and day out to um really show up in 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 my humanness and really show up in um my like as best as i can healed self to everyone that's close to me if it's my parents if it's you know my siblings if it's my partner if it's my friends yourself myself yeah that um there's then there's this, you know, there's this little window that opens up into, you know, that like oneness and into that universal law and into, you know, God. That's like, wow. What you're doing is amazing and um Yeah, it's it's really enriching at the end. And
1: everyone's fucking amazing, bro. What you just said, like I I can Think about, I just started going through the people in my life as you said that. When you said mm-hmm. what you're doing is amazing and I'm looking at every single person in my life and everyone's amazing. Everyone is contributing so much more good than they know they're contributing. And sometimes that's where a lot of my frustration comes from. Like, why are you sad? You're doing so much for us. Don't be hard on yourself. You're doing so much for us.
0: Oh, oh, that, um, that reminds me. So um, last night, my um, my lady and I were having this conversation where she was like, you know, like, I want to surrender. Like, I want to surrender into these things. And I looked at her and I'm like, I think and I see that you're already doing it. I'm like, and the idea that came up was like, we look at our life and we see the we we're seeing missing pieces in the puzzle, right? And we're seeing like where the lack is, but then someone outside of ourselves is looking at us and they see the puzzle piece that we think is missing. Yeah. And it's like, that's where we complete each other. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really the sense of the soulmate. It's not these list of preferences. It's where the person shows up and says, it's already there you're whole yeah and then like that's like oh man i'm like getting shivers from that right of like really that's how we come together and we celebrate how we're whole and how we're healed
1: i got shivers too
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man um i think that'd be a, a great place to to end it here and um Wow. Amazing conversation again, man. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for hopping on and being patient with me and, um, and trusting and um, so looking forward to um, more of your project and more of the music that you share and your content. And uh, yeah, please let the listeners know um, where to find you. And uh, yeah,
1: Cool. You can find me on socials at uh, on YouTube, Zarnoosh-Fire, on Instagram and Facebook, Zarnoosh.Fire. And I'm on Spotify. I release music under my name, Zarnoosh. Right now I'm promoting Revenant of Time, which is the second single in my debut trilogy in this body of work. It's the second single in the trilogy called Cloak and Dagger. And that's on YouTube right now. So yeah, you can find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere that you can stream stuff. Please support me as much as you can. This is uh, the beginning of my journey, and I'm really grateful to you guys and to Zorinanda for helping me get this ship sailing.
0: Amazing. Um, all the links will be in, um, uh, in the bio and um, uh, on Spotify and everywhere else that you can uh, find this podcast. Um, for as a treat for you guys, I'm gonna have the song at the end of this podcast. But please go and stream it as well. So listen to it at the end of this episode. Go to YouTube, go to Spotify, go where else, uh anywhere else that you can find it, and um support Zarnoosh in what he's doing because um I'm biased, it's awesome, I love it, and I know you will too. Uh thanks again, Zarnoosh, and Thank you, everyone, for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: I see the devil in your eyes I saw you don a false disguise You lonely remnant of time Beyond the veil of all their lies You said the devil never dies Incorporated his dark mind, instigating all my light. So now I'll grant you my insight. Memory.